Welcome to Behind the Curtain, LA Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. Jeremy Frank, LA Opera's associate chorus master, is actually a man of many talents, conductor, pianist, educator, and mixologist. He is certainly the delightful host of LA Opera Connect's popular Opera Happy Hour web series. When you have time, you'll want to check out LA Opera's website at www.laopera.org, where you can find an entire library of Opera Happy Hour episodes, in which Jeremy invites us to join in the fun of learning about opera and your beverage of choice. Cheers. Hi there. I'm Jeremy Frank. For those of you who already know something about opera, you may have recognized the piece of music that I was just playing as the prologue to the opera Pagliacci. The reason that we're starting directly with music is because Pagliacci is a perfect example of the style of opera called Verismo. Verismo opera was popular in the late 19th century in Italy, and it mirrored the movement toward realism and naturalism in European literature. But in layman's terms, this is opera that is keeping it real by representing familiar things as they really are. In fact, the Italian word verismo itself derives from the word vero, which is the Italian for true. More importantly, the equivalent to this truthy art form in modern American culture is reality TV. Whether it's old school, like the 1940s Candid Camera, or more modern, like Big Brother, Judge Judy, America's Got Talent, Rick Steves, The Biggest Loser, Wife Swap, Survivor, or The Masked Singer, there's a flavor of reality TV for everyone. Since I came into my adulthood in the 90s, at the beginning of the 28-season run of The Jerry Springer Show, I'm inclined to think of reality TV through that lens, which I think you'll agree will be helpful as we start our exploration. But whether you were a fan of Springer yourself, or if one of these other six or seven subgenres of reality TV are more your cup of tea, each of these shows has several features in common, and, as it turns out, Verismo Opera shares those common features, too. I actually went back and watched an episode of Jerry Springer. It was fascinating. Each of his episodes features guests who are unknown individuals, and each segment is based on a series of confessionals where we learn more and more about each character one at a time, followed by the conflict between those characters. The subject matter is almost always taboo. Somebody's trying to figure out who their baby daddy is, or there's some dude with neck tattoos up to his chin who's cheating on his wife with her sister or best friend. These are themes that respectable TV and opera would never touch. The characters, or even anti-heroes, are working class, just like you would see in shows like The Deadliest Catch. In the opera world, 
What a huge contrast this is to opera written at the end of the 18th century, which usually depicts noble people or mythological characters. This is probably as good of a time as any to tell you about drink pairing. I'm no longer just putting a glass of wine on the piano. I've got the whole bottle up there. Sorry for those of you who this causes serious heart palpitations at home. We're drinking Chianti because we're in a kind of opera that is very Italian and very not super fancy, as the lady at the wine store told me when I purchased this. So I hope you have something that you can enjoy just as much as I will, and cheers. Critics of reality TV and critics of Verismo opera argue that these pieces don't really traffic in reality. Instead, they borrow from the tropes of realism and add heightened situations and characters to intentionally manipulate us, the viewer. Although operas, by necessity, are written out in full, reality TV is often soft-scripted. That is to say, the situations are predetermined and they're kind of directed without the characters being told every single word that they're about to say. So, in light of all of that, this promises to be a pretty racy show. If you haven't already poured yourself a glass of wine or a cocktail or something tasty, go do that now. But if you have, take a big sip because it's about to get real ugly in here. Cheers! There was actually another sneaky reason I wanted to start with a cold open of me launching right into the prologue of Pagliacci. It's because that's actually how it works in the opera too. Like any composer, Leon Cavallo starts his overture, which here is called a prologue. But before the orchestra can finish, one of the characters enters the stage, breaks the fourth wall, and actually asks the audience directly if he can hold court for a moment. He then lays forth a manifesto of what the guiding principles of Verismo are. For those of you remembering my episode about overtures, you know that an overture is not a place for an aria. So even though composers like Wagner and Bizet have been innovating overtures throughout the Romantic era, Leon Cavallo, in this respect, is even more revolutionary. I personally find the text of the prologue extremely moving. Let me quote Leon Cavallo directly. The author wants to put the ancient characters on the stage again, in part to recapture the old traditions, but not to tell you, as before, that the tears that we shed are feigned. Don't be alarmed at our sufferings and torments. No, the author has tried, rather, to paint for you a slice of life. His only maxim is that the artist is a real man, and he must write for real men. He was inspired by the truth. A nest of memories sang deep in his soul one day, and he wrote with tears, real tears, and his sobs beat time for him. You will see tonight the way actual human beings love each other. You will see the sad fruits of hatred. You'll hear cries of grief, screams of rage, and cynical laughter. And you, Consider our souls, not our shabby costumes, because we are real men made of flesh and blood. We are just like you, and we breathe the air of this forsaken world. 
That's the conceit. Now, let's begin. So now let's start our exploration of Pagliacci by analyzing it as if it were a Jerry Springer episode. The first character we need to meet is Kanyo, who is the leader of a troupe of roving actors. For those of you who already know something about the theater of the Commedia dell'arte, that's exactly what this troupe is. If not, and you don't have any familiarity with that, but you're of a certain age, you can bring to mind Punch and Judy shows. If that is too old school for you, you can think kind of vaudeville. And if you're too young to even understand that reference, maybe the closest comparison is a sort of like improv comedy troupe based on stock characters, but really just go ask your grandparents already. So anyway, Kanio leads this troupe, and his wife, Nedda, is his leading lady. She's very beautiful, and she's much younger than he is. They have just arrived in this little village in Calabria, and they're about to set up shop to do some outdoor evening performances. They're just hanging out in the town square, literally drumming up interest in the evening's show, when someone from the crowd heckles Kanyo, saying that one of his actors seems to be getting a little too friendly with his wife. A very dark side of Kanyo emerges. He says that if one of the actors flirts with his wife in the play, they risk some stage fighting, but if anybody tries to steal Neda's love in real life, the consequences will be far more dire. Now, just like in Jerry Springer, because we meet Kanyo first, we're set up to take his version of the story at face value and to empathize with it, even if it turns out he's the guy in the wrong. We have no way to know whether he's justified in his jealousy or not. Kanyo invites the villagers to come that evening to see the performance, and they sing a beautiful bell chorus as they go off to prepare for an evening at the theater. As soon as the chorus leaves, we see Nedda by herself, and she sings an aria that I would like to perform for you. This is a two-part aria, and in the first part, she talks about how brooding Kanyo is and how he's often threatening and violent toward her. Then, suddenly, she sees birds flying through the sky, and she sings about how she wishes her soul could be as free as those birds. It's that second part of the aria that I'll sing for you now. You can almost hear the fluttering of the birds in the music that my right hand plays throughout this aria. Thunder, a 
never could suppress them. They soar forever over sea afar. Onward they go and fly to the horizon, dreaming they'll find sweeter nests on that shore, only sensing the way they must obey some secret power. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Netta's aria is really about how she wants to escape her reality, but just like in a Jerry Springer episode, we're about to find out that, at least emotionally, she has already escaped. Her secret lover, Silvio, comes in. He tells Netta that he saw her husband drinking before the show down at the tavern, so he knows that it's safe for him to come see her. Silvio is a local from this very village, and he and Neda have met and very quickly fallen in love. He's super handsome, and he's exactly the same age as she is. And like Neda, he sings a beautiful two-part aria that then blossoms into a truly glorious love duet. In his aria, he begs Neda to run away with him. At first, she's reluctant, but then she agrees to leave her husband and to run away with Silvio. Must decide my fate. Let the let us stay here. Your show will close tonight, and you will leave me tomorrow. and left me what will become of me and my lonely existence Netta, Netta stay with me you've never loved your Little do the two of them know that another member of the theater troupe, Tonio, has overheard all of this. 
He's also in love with Neda, which is a problem because she's already rejected him and told him that she only truly loves someone else. Tonio, jealous, runs to the tavern and gets Kanyo to come see what's going on. The two lovers are just bidding each other farewell until they can run away that night when Kanyo happens upon the scene. He hears Neda sing her last loving line to Silvio, and he has proof that she's having an affair, but he doesn't know with whom. He starts to get violent with Neda, demanding that she tell him the name of her lover. Some of the other men in the theater troupe have to hold him off from physically assaulting her. She refuses to tell him the name of her lover and storms off. Now, everybody else leaves this awkward scene to prepare for the performance that evening, and Kanyo is left alone to sing one of the most famous opera arias of all time, Vesti la Giubba. His rage transforms into pure despair, and he sings about how he simply has to go out on the stage, put on a show, and act as if nothing is happening, while his life is completely falling apart. I'm going to sing this aria in Italian, but the most famous part of this aria means, laugh, you poor clown, at your shattered love. Laugh at the cruel grief that breaks your heart. of Pagliacci consists of the presentation of the troupe's performance that evening. Now, these actors are like improv comedians, as we've said before, who recreate the same character every single night without following a script. The characters get into similar situations over and over again. 
The leading lady is always married, but she's fallen in love with somebody else, and then her husband finds out about it, and her lover gets a beating. It's all meant to be lighthearted and very funny, and so over the top that it elicits laughter from the audience. As it turns out, the story of this play within a play is identical to the actual plot of Pagliacci. At the beginning of the play within a play, Leon Cavallo writes this charming minuet to show just how lighthearted things are. The leading lady and her stage lover pantomime lightheartedly, and there's nothing to worry about yet. This uh, very charming minuet sounds something like this. Suddenly, Canio enters the play within a play. It is his cue, but because of his confrontation with Nedda, he can't separate his real life from the play. The audience thinks he's just a really intense actor, and that what is happening is not real, and that the show is still funny. But Nedda knows that Silvio is secretly in the audience, and she fearfully watches Canio become more and more unhinged on stage. She keeps trying to divert and to return to singing that minuet to de-escalate the situation, but Kanyo has had enough. Now, this is the point in a Jerry Springer episode where the bouncers would come out and they would prevent a full-blown fight, and where everybody would start to cheer, Jerry! 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 For our episode, I suggest that you now start cheering, Jeremy! 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 You know, we don't have any bouncers at my house, and so it's going to get pretty dangerous for these opera characters. Anyway, Kanyo completely breaks character. He demands that Netta reveal the name of her real lover, and he yells at the audience that he is not a clown, but a real guy with real feelings. The audience still thinks he's just a brilliant actor, and Netta refuses over and over to say the name of her lover. Silvio senses things are starting to go really wrong. Kanio suddenly grabs a knife and threatens Neda, and she tries to leave the stage, but Kanio catches her and stabs her. She screams out Silvio's name, begging him for help, and he rushes to the stage to try to save her, and Kanio realizes that he is her lover, so he stabs him too in front of the terrified audience, and Kanio sings one of the best closing lines of any opera ever written, La commedia è finita, or the comedy has finished. Ah, you won't tell me, you still don't understand me. One of us gets you, now tell me, or I will kill you. His name, no. my one true love you can take my life but you cannot kill these feelings i will not tell no i'm leaving you forever his name 
Nena in front of the crowd, starting to strangle her. Help me, Silvio. Silvio rushes the stage to try to save her. And Kanyo stabs him and then says the best line that ends an opera, the comedy is ended. So that is an incredibly intense ending to an opera. And uh, in fact, most Verismo operas and most Jerry Springer episodes end with that amount of drama. Uh, true purists will say that there really are only six or seven uh, true Verismo operas. Another one is Cavalleria Rusticana, but their influence is kind of outsized for the number of pieces that we have to the amount that they have triggered the popular imagination about what opera is. I hope you've enjoyed exploring it. I know I have. That is a pretty intense scene. It's also actually one of the most difficult things that I've attempted musically on the show, and mostly at the insistence of my very smart, clever husband, who said, look, you can't build up this whole argument and then leave before the punchline. In the meantime, if you haven't already checked out the LA Opera Relief Fund, please do stay healthy and happy and cheers. You've been listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain. Thank you and see you at the opera. If you've enjoyed listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to share this with your friends on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll see you at the opera.